We're back with a brand new podcast. It's been a long time since we recorded at the Boys in Red and White, and it's an absolute privilege to be back speaking to all you lovely people. My name is Tom Dow, and I'm joined, as always, by my best friend, Andre Grayson. Uh, hello, Mr. Dow. It's been a long time since I've heard those uh, those <laughs> fantastic tones out of your lovely set of lungs, but... Uh, Yes, hello, Mr. Grayson, and how are you? Yeah, all good, all good. I mean, I think um, important to address that the reason we haven't done a podcast is because we've been travelling up and down the country following Arsenal and are too shattered recovering from it all <laughs> to get round to speaking. Honestly, we keep doing away days and they keep absolutely exhausting me for the, for the upcoming week. Um, obviously, we'll get onto some of those uh, particular away days uh, shortly. But um, hmm. yeah, it's been a it's it's been a long time since we've spoken uh, on on air. But um, obviously, we've been seeing plenty of each other off air, so it's a uh, been nice. But uh, it's very nice to be back doing another one of these podcasts. Um, now, I think we we spoke briefly off air and said that this is probably going to be a podcast that's a bit all over the place in terms of structure because it's been so long since we've done one. Um, uh, but as Andre rightly pointed out, uh, so are Arsenal. Uh, they're a bit all over the place as well. So it uh, kind of goes hand in hand. But we'll start by talking about uh, the Brighton game because that was the last game that we played and it is now obviously the international break which no one looks forward to. Um, now, I, me and Andre both had both uh, very different experiences going down to the Amex. Um, and I'm going to let Andre kick things off with his views of uh, his away day experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it was um, Kelly, Kelly's birthday on the Monday. Um, and um, when she said uh, a weekend away in Brighton sounds nice, and I looked at the fixtures, I just stayed very, very quiet. And I bided my time. And after a couple of weeks, I said, oh, you know, when we we're in Brighton. Um, you wouldn't you know, believe it. <laughs> yeah, coincidence would have it. And and this is probably different from how she tells the story. She'd say, you said we're going to Brighton. You know, that, and that may be true. But for, <laughs> <laughs> some of these events have been recreated for dramatic effect. Um, so we went down, drove down Saturday morning, checked in at our hotel um, and then got the text from you with where we were. Um, but I have to say, one of my biggest takeaways from Brighton, um, and one of my favourite things about it, that if you've never gone to Arsenal away, you can't really explain what it was like. I mean, we'll get onto the weather and what it's like going to a ground when it is like it, it was. It was. Um, it was like from another planet. The weather whipping around the Amex. I've never got so wet. But the walk from the pub to the train station with probably a hundred other Arsenal fans singing songs for about 10 minutes. It was just wonderful. And it's what it's all about. You know, it was such a great feeling. I was so buzzing for the game, but just singing about Smith Rowe and Tottenham getting battered um, everywhere they go uh, was just wonderful. We got the Tommy Asu chant in the station as well. And I, I love that and forget the game, forget everything else. That was so much fun and made it just such a great experience. Yeah, it really did. And uh, I obviously my experience up to that point, I think that's probably a, a good point for me to jump in, um, was I, I went down with uh, a friend of the podcast, uh, Matt or Aussie Matt, as we uh, colloquial, colloquially call him. Um, and 
he uh, and I went down quite early and went and found a pub called The Quadrant in uh, Brighton that was a really small, small pub, but there was uh, it soon got overrun with Arsenal supporters. And we were there for for pretty much from then right up till kickoff. We did at one point meet another guy who said, I've heard this pub's good, do you fancy going there? And we was like, okay. So we went for a little wander, got absolutely soaked and then turned around and came back. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a good experience. But what I really enjoyed about it is that we went to this this small pub and there was there was such a, a nice vibrant atmosphere, although the bouncers and the uh bar ladies at <laughs> didn't didn't approve of our chanting. Um but it was a really nice atmosphere and environment and I got a, a good opportunity to speak to quite a lot of Arsenal supporters, which um doesn't happen as often as you think going on away days because you sort of you go with the people who you go with. But we I sort of made a, a bit more of a conscious effort to sort of be a bit more talkative with uh, random people, and that that was quite a nice experience. And then, as you say, the uh, the trip from the pub to the uh, to the train station was uh, fantastic. Um, my personal favourite moment of that was when we were just queuing up to get in the train, and someone just shouted, "Hang on, the team's out!" And then, as he did that. <laughs> We got him to announce the team like we were at the Emirates, and every time he said the name, the, the whole station was cheering, and it was uh, it was fantastic. I really really enjoyed that, and then obviously got on the train. Um, a gentleman on the train uh, very kindly donated me a beer, which was uh, much appreciated, and then we made our way to the ground. and the And the walk the other end was nothing short of fucking horrific <laughs> because of the weather. <laughs> It was just the worst. It was honestly just the worst. It's the worst, the coldest, the everythingest I've ever felt. I have never, ever, ever, ever got more wet. Ever. Or will again. It was awful. But Happy birthday, Kelly. <laughs> I know. You can't imagine how guilty I felt. But um, I, I just am going to have to uh, quickly enlighten people on the new Tommy Yasu chant because no one was in the mood for singing when we were actually in the ground. Um so, um, which clear my lungs and remember how it goes. Uh, hang on. Tom's at, how's it go? He drinks the, hang on. He eats the sushi, drinks the, he sake. Drinks the sake. It's <laughs> fucking massive. Tommy Yasu. Tommy Yasu. He eats the sushi, drinks the sake. It's fucking massive. That was brilliant. <laughs> That was brilliant. Uh, I also football uh, fans are tremendous, aren't they? (laughs) We really are. Something else. Um, But it was also lovely. I bumped into my cousin as well at the train station unexpectedly, who was sitting in the away end. Darren. Uh, That was lovely. Um, And then, and then the game began. Tom. I mean, when when we saw the well, when when the lineups were announced in the station, what were your uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, I, I felt like my football um, views had been vindicated because that was the lineup I'd predicted, and my Matt had uh, told me uh, a slightly different uh, lineup where he thought Pepe might come in and we might play with uh, Odegaard and Smith Rowe as those those two attacking midfielders. But uh, obviously, I, I, I had successfully predicted the lineup, um, and I was quite 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 optimistic if I'm honest um, went into the game feeling quite quite upbeat about the prospect of, of three points and then the game started and we just never got control of the game um, at no point did we feel like we were really on top we had a few half chances uh, the, the the big chance of note sort of came in the second half when Smith Rowe sort of 
had that run and shot. But beyond that, there wasn't really too much to get too excited about. Um, and it was just not a good game of football. Uh, I had even my partner, Laura, text me and said, well, that was shocking. And I was like, yep, and I'm soaked, so brilliant. <laughs> and it, it's very difficult to explain that you still had a great day out, particularly as, I, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, I work in a school as a, as a teacher, and all the students know that I go home and away. And they asked me on Monday morning, oh, did you go to the game, sir? Yes, I did. And they were like, oh, that was a terrible game. That must have been an awful trip. And it's really hard to talk to a bunch of 15 or 16-year-olds when they're you're trying to be with the responsible adult and then you try to explain the whole rowdiness of an away day. <laughs> and it's, it's difficult. And they're like, you must have had a dreadful time, sir. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll never know. They'll never know. I mean, I, I said to you before the game, I really felt it was going to be a draw. I, I really didn't think we would win. Yeah, Maybe you said 1-1 one, one all along, didn't you? I, I did. I did. And I never really changed my opinion. And, and, God, we were lucky to get away with a draw in the end. I just think Brighton are a really good team. And I've got my first question of the day for you, Tom, which oh, is, love, if I offered you at the end of the season to swap Mikel Arteta with Graham Potter, would you take it? I'd be very tempted because I think what Graham Potter's done at Brighton is, is really, really fantastic. Obviously, taking over from... Uh, it was Chris Hewton he took over from, wasn't it? Um, is that right? Uh, yes. Yes, it was. Yeah so, yeah, so it was Chris Hewton he took over from. And obviously, under Chris Hewton, they, they were renowned for playing quite quite defensive football and not, not the most attractive gameplay. And... I think Graham Potter has gone in and completely transformed the the makeup of that club, and people will argue that uh, last season they 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 weren't a million miles away from the from the sort of the bottom bottom three places, but um, the way that they're going about things is so much different than what they were used to, and it's now enjoyable to watch Brighton play football, and they look like a, a really solid Premier League side, um, so. In answer to in, in answer to your question, I'm I'm not sure just purely because I th- I feel like Arteta's sort of maybe turned a little a little bit of a corner. Um, obviously, with the run the last four runner games um, has been a bit of an uplift, but I think it's still too early to say whether that's a permanent change of fortunes. I think we all mm. expect that this is going to be a really rocky road, but I think Graham Potter is the sort of manager that if we do decide to change. Uh, managerial positions he's exactly the sort of manager that I'd, I'd want Arsenal to be going for and I and I could see him doing uh, a really exceptional job at the club so not really an answer but a bit of a waffle yeah. I, I would uh, <clears throat> I would do it I just think he I mean he's embarrassed us a couple of times as well you know when Brighton won their first ever game at the Emirates and actually he might not even have been manager then but I remember when he bought Ostersons um and, and beat us at the Emirates. You know, he's a very good manager, is what I'm trying to say. And I think he he implements a style of play and a philosophy. What I thought was really impressive about Brighton is they didn't really didn't let the conditions affect them. And you could see that, I don't know, it's really hard because I look at that game and I go, I really think Pepe should have started. I really think Pepe, he's got a really good record against Brighton as well. Um, and he should have started. 
Although I don't think I was saying that before the game. It's you know yeah. it's very easy being captain hindsight, but just generally, I felt like that was a day for Pepe and his style. Um, but yeah, I just think Brighton are a really good side. They're much better than Tottenham. I, no, I, you know, it's not even facetious to say they are significantly better than Brighton. If Graham Potter was managing Tottenham, I'd be pretty worried, uh, and that's sort of my barometer for thinking he'd be a good fit. But uh, yeah, it's not too much to say about Brighton. You know, a nil-nil draw. Uh, I thought Ramsdale, real mixed bag, couldn't couldn't kick to save his life, but made a, a crucial intervention uh, before, you know, and he looked great from where we were. It looked a much better save from our end. I don't know if you had this anyway. I was a bit further back than you. It looked like an unbelievable save and you watch it back and you're like, oh, yeah, good save. But it looked incredible from where we were. Um, but yeah, no one really played well. No one played badly. I mean, I'm really enjoying the solidity of Gabrielle and Ben White, but Really, we haven't had a chance to talk about, and I can still sort of go back a step and talk about the Spurs game, um, which I think would just be lovely for us to to reminisce, unless you've got anything else to, to add on the Brighton game. No, I'm more than happy to uh, jump straight in with the uh, the North London derby, because that was that was a hell of a day. Um, <laughs> I said before, I, before the game, I tweeted a few hours before the kickoff and said, I hate the North London derby. Because I I, abs- I absolutely hate it. It's it's a horrible horrible fixture, and it's never ever enjoyable until after the fact. Um, it's very hard to actually enjoy the moment. Like even at three 0 up, we were texting each other saying, "I'm nervous here. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous." <laughs> and then when they got then it, when they got back to three one, I texted you and said, "I'm having awful awful memories of the four four at the Emirates because it it felt very similar to the way the way that the away end had completely." completely exited the stadium. It felt really similar to that night when they were 4-2 down going to stoppage time and managed to get it back to 4-0. Um, and I had the um, the shocking view of that because I was sat in the clock end right next to the, uh, the away end. So I saw them all run back in when the fourth went in. So I'm, um, I had, I had some major, major, <laughs> revised memories of that but we held on and it was a thoroughly impressive particularly first half performance and I think the second half was kind of just the usual sort of performance you get after a first half like that if that makes sense Um, because I felt first half we put so much energy into the game atmosphere was fantastic by the way Um, that's the best the Emirates has felt in in a long 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 time and it was upper tier lower tier whole ground was singing it was brilliant yeah, but yeah. So we we, we were we were exceptional in the first half. Three great goals, uh, and then just sort of managed the game quite quite nicely in the second half. We, it, albeit probably dropping off a little bit too deep than we needed to. But yeah, I had a great day. I, what about you, Andre? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was going to say I, I think I remember saying to you. I can't remember whether it was on the train up to Burnley or after or just before the Norwich game. I said, you know, imagine sneaking the next two and then beating Tottenham convincingly, how good that's going to feel. And I'm still, even though we've gone and drawn a game and not looked great against Brighton, I've still got that euphoric glow uh, uh, of a victory like that. And I think it's the way it came about because the way that third goal hit the net and the Emirates erupting, and I, I really feel, I don't know whether you feel this, I feel as though there has been a great, um, reconnection between this team and the fans. 
the vitriol in the away end isn't there in the same way. The home end, I mean, even against Chelsea, I felt they got quite up for it. Against Wimbledon, it was a carnival atmosphere. I mean, I think that's because you get a lot of first-timers, but it was still... There's, there's something different at the minute, uh, and it's really hard to explain, but it's actually really enjoyable to go again, regardless of what's happening on the pitch. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I know one sort of influences the other. Are you, are you sensing that? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, particularly up until obviously recently, particularly the away games was uh, very much a, a, a sense of unity within the fan base. And there's certainly a sense of um, that, that connection with the players that maybe hasn't been there previously. Um, and I think that is the whole the result of having such a young squad is that we've got something finally to believe in. And the fact we've got that thing to believe in um, has got everyone on side and probably has bought Mikel Arteta more time than he probably thought, even he probably thought he would be given by the supporters. Because there was a, there was definitely a time when I thought it's going to get toxic again. And mm. that hasn't really happened this season, particularly after the after the first few games. And there's a there's a moment I'm going to draw back to that I mentioned on the last time we recorded, and that was at Man City away, where there was still a, a significant part of the away end was still present at, at the final whistle when, when we were 5-0 down. And there was a real sense of the players came over and applauded the fans for a good good minute or two. And that felt really poignant. And as as much as that moment was 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 horrible, to, it was it wasn't enjoyable to be at because you're applauding the players for a, a really disappointing performance. It did feel like the players were acknowledging that, and it felt like there was um, that that sort of mutual respect amongst fans and players. Where the, the players were obviously very very happy with the support that the uh, the travelling fans had, had, had given, but equally the fans were still behind the, t- the players. And I think that was mm. that was really, really powerful on that day. And I think things have just gone from strength to strength since then. And you yeah. can probably take it back one step further. You can probably take it back to the West Brom game um, as the... I, I know we had Brentford away, but like the first big big away game that with 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 some goals and a big win, um, that, that atmosphere also had that carnival-like feel to it. And that felt like everyone was getting back on the same page again, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's been a joy. It's been a joy. Um, so we've gone back. We've done. We don't. I don't think we need to go too much into AFC Wimbledon. Um, Burnley. So so I, I'd never been to Turf Moor. I don't think I'll be going back again in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. You, you made me laugh on the train home because when we were coming back, obviously we'll get into the actual trip itself. But on the way back, you were, you were just like... <laughs> What would it take for you to go back to Turf Moor? And I and I said, if they're in the Premier League, I'll probably go next year. And you was and you went, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you will not catch me. You know, I feel as though the Burnley games of this world are beyond. I don't know whether I've got it in the locker anymore, um, but only because I mean. It is, uh, and again, you know, it is. It was three and a half hours each train journey. We're meeting someone up there to to give them tickets. We've had a few beers. Your hangover kicks in midway through the second half. <laughs> I just looked over at you, and you had your head in your hands. <laughs> 
And, you know, I was like, oh, what am I doing? And then they have a penalty and you think, oh, my God. And their fans are just awful. I mean, we were next to the away end, at home end, at like, like to, to, to levels you can't believe. And they, we got there. And there was a, a, a man, and I have never seen such anger before a ball has been kicked. And he was a bald, short, tubby man, very northern. And he came, and I walked over. So I'm walking across to the seats, and I realise I'm the very end seat. And he looks at me and goes, "You're fucking shite! You've spent all that fucking money, and you're shite!" <laughs> and I just sort of looked at him, and I was like, "Okay." okay. He's like, what the fuck is going on here? And you just can't explain. They were like creatures from another planet up there. You just you just can't even picture it. But when we scored, I obviously gave them a nice little dance. Um, <laughs> you did. <laughs> but I think my favourite moment was when that penalty was given and they rushed towards you and then it was disallowed for VAR and I was able to give all the mockery with the VAR symbol was just, honestly, it's what you live for. It's what you live for. It made seven hours on a train almost worth it. It did. And uh, just for, I know everyone's probably wondering what actions Andre produced on the back of the uh, the penalty being overturned. And that was to turn to the away end with all eyes on him and produce the VAR TV screen um symbol and then the wanker symbol followed <laughs> and, and it was tremendous it was tremendous and the anger was there for all to see and you just repeatedly did that over and over again and my parents would be so proud yes i know, <laughs> I know our respective parents both listen to this podcast so uh I'm sure they'll be delighted with these actions, but it was, uh, yeah, very entertaining. As a as someone sitting next to you, it's fantastic. <laughs> but um, but no, it was uh, obviously that was a quite often when we go to away games, we we drive, and for this one, we made the decision that we were going to get the train. So we booked a train really, really um, well in advance, so that we got a fairly decent fare, and it was. For me, especially, obviously, I come down from I come up from Margate, so it was a I had a couple extra hours on you, Andre, and it was very tough because I left my house at seven in the morning and I didn't get home till midnight. So it was it was it was a bloody long day, and for for, for a lot of counter attacks to fall down and one free kick goal. Yes, um, and three points is three points, though. We well, you're right. My 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 dad. Uh, we used to have a, a family friend called Eric, who's no longer with us. And he once said to me, uh, when I asked him if he enjoyed the game, he said to me, "I don't go to enjoy it. I go to see us win." And that pretty much summed up Burnley away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But no, it was um, it was enjoyable. And in the sort of uh, tapestry of away days, you couldn't have two more different ones with the the sort of. Burnley it was absolutely boiling, which is very odd um, to say. But those mad fans and that very hostile atmosphere, old school ground. And then the Amex, beautiful new ground, freezing cold and wet. Um, but, you know, we didn't concede, see us concede at either of them, which is um, a huge positive. I mean, just, just coming on to the team, I, I, I remember after the Man City game, we did a podcast and I said to you, I 
think he's got three more games. And you said, I think he's got one. And my dad agreed with you. I was out in Spain at the time. Uh, and to be where we are now and to feel like we've got a team to believe in is, is a really, really wonderful feeling. But I think, again, as the song dictates, it really is all about Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe. Um, they really are going to dictate our fortunes. And I, I wondered what you make of that, that we are going to be so reliant, whether that's okay, whether I'm overplaying how reliant we are, sort of what your thoughts are on having two starlets um, dictating our fortunes, really. I, I think, I don't think you're overplaying how much we are reliant on them. Um, because I, I, I think if, unless they, they click, we, we tend to struggle. And I think that that kind of showed uh, in the Brighton game. Neither Saka nor Smith Rowe sort of produced the uh, the scintillating displays that we saw uh, against Tottenham. Um, but I think a big part of it now is that I think we've been scarred by what happened with Jack Wilshere and the fact that he obviously kept broke onto the scene at such a young age and then picked up all those injuries that have uh, seen his career completely derailed. And I think as Arsenal fans, we are scarred by that. And I think we're very fearful that that's going to happen again to to our to our own. And I think maybe we need to just start accepting the fact that these t- these two are our present and they're our future, um, rather than being worried about what if this happens, what if this happens, um, and being concerned that we're reliant on those players. I think what's going to happen is we are going to, we're going to be inconsistent and so are they because that's the nature of young footballers. It's very rare that you have a player breakthrough that that doesn't have that inconsistency at that sort of age. Um, and I think we've kind of just got to accept that that's going to happen. And I, and I think that kind of coincides with the journey that Arsenal are on because we are on a rocky road. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. And I think you kind of have to just look at the current and future performances of Emil Smith-Rowe and Bukayo Saka as very similar to those trades. Um, so that's probably the stance I take on that, on that view. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking I want to see, and I'm looking at the next three gate, well, next three league games. I'm not going to really bring Leeds Carabao cup, although looking forward to club level, um, uh, Palace at home, Villa, at home and Leicester away. Last season, nil-nil with Palace after uh, a high. That was the game after the Chelsea game that we turned it round. I think there or thereabouts. Anyway, we had a good win and then we we they absolutely shut us down. Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace, of course. Uh, then Aston Villa, who absolutely tore us to shreds at the Emirates, and then Leicester away that we won in a very odd um, odd game where we we turned into a team we had not been so far that season. I look at those three games and I actually think they will be so instructive, especially as that gets us to the 10 game mark. You know, if we realistically can get seven points out of that, which I don't think we we will, you know, Arsenal of old, you would look at that and go, we need nine points. You know, we need nine points to achieve our goals. Realistically, I'd take five. Um, but I think they're so instructive. But what I really want to see is someone like a Pepe, for example, or, you know, maybe more of Martin Odegaard. We need to see something high level from the others that gives us hope. Because in all our losses, 
and difficult performances, the only two shining lights have been Saka and Smith-Rowe. And I suppose that's my concern, is that burdening them with taking on Palace, Villa and Leicester, which, let's face it, OK, Palace maybe not, but maybe pretty similar level at the moment. It's sort of a bit of a coin toss, each of those. And I feel as though we really need to see more from Pepe. I mean, he hasn't scored in the league yet this season. Um, I know Odegaard's got a free kick and a Bamiyang wonderful finish against Spurs. But but I still feel as though we're not unlocking those guys as much as we, we should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, the, the main problem still is creating those opportunities. Um, and that's been the problem for... I mean, we could go back through many, many podcasts that we've done during the Mikel Arteta era and we'd be saying the same sorts of things that we, we're not creating the chances. Um, the good news is that we, we seem to have sat, found a formula that keeps it a bit tighter at the back. So hopefully that that with the, the current back four, hopefully they can stay fit and hopefully that will give us a bit more mm. of a, um, a standing to build from. But absolutely agree with you that we are just struggling with those chance creation and if it if it isn't Bakaya Saka and Emil Smith Rowe then at the moment it isn't it isn't really anyone um so I completely echo what you're saying um and it would be nice for some of the senior players to really step up and and take that responsibility because at the moment I don't think they're really pulling their weight in the way that they should be um I think as well a big factor in the Arsenal team at the moment is if you can get if we can get Thomas Partey fit and playing then he makes such a difference to the way we play. Um, having said that, I didn't think he had his best game against Brighton. And I think a big part of that was probably playing alongside someone inexperienced, but also playing without Granit Xhaka there. And as much as people criticise Granit Xhaka, he still gets into our best eleven when he is fit. And oh. it's, I still think he does. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think it's... Uh, look, look... <sighs> Xhaka gonna Xhaka, as the as the kids say, he's gonna have a few head losses. But him next to Thomas Partey is a really, really, really good pairing. Yeah, really good pairing. And and Ben White and Gabrielle are a bit like a younger version of them. Where Gabrielle for me is the the I know we paid more for Ben White, but if you took fees aside, Gabrielle is the dominating physical presence. Uh, that's uh, you know he's more aligned with Partey, whereas. Ben White, lovely on the ball, good-looking, lovely stuff. You know, that's more Xhaka. Um, but Xhaka doesn't need party as much as party needs to seem Xhaka, which is interesting. I mean, we may see more of that, and I might be overplaying that. Um, again, I don't think Brighton was the game to play Odegaard and Smith-Rowe in those two tens, but I suspect the Palace game, you'd like to see that. Yeah. Um, but I also felt as though... Again, just going back to the Brighton game and looping that together. Uh, 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 the thing is, is that Sambi Lukonga has not played in the Premier League for very much. He's at to play against Brentford, against Chelsea, um, you know, against uh, against Brighton. And he must be going, bloody hell, this is tough. It is tough and it will be tough. And he's a very, very young midfielder. Um, I'm loving the look of him, but... He's getting, a, he's getting a baptism of fire into the league. He's hardly, you know, he's not played in some of our nicer games, I don't I don't think. Well, he played in midfield against Norwich, didn't he? Um, yeah. With Ainsley Maitland-Niles, which was a, an interesting one. But yeah, I, I think the midfield is still 
I do still think we're probably a player light there. And you can see where a midfield signing and improvement would make us go up another level. Speaking of that, I, I, I'm I looking at January and obviously it's the African Cup of Nations, isn't it? Um, so that's going to be Thomas Partey gone. That's going to be Mohamed Elneny gone. I know he's not been not really been in and around uh, the, the starting eleven uh, recently, um, but that'll be another midfielder gone. And with Xhaka potentially out for a few months, um, that could leave us very light going into that period. So I, I, if I'm Arsenal, I'm looking at the January transfer window, looking where we can potentially get someone in. But as we know, it's it's invariably so difficult to to get your, your main targets during that window, isn't it? Mm. Well, Danny Ceballos on loan. <laughs> Bring him back. Bring him back. <laughs> the man gets 100 appearances. Um, yeah, just by... I, I just think... Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I'm trying not to think that far ahead because I'm looking at the, the October fixtures alone. Well, and even if you chuck in November, I mean, it's a tough little run. You know, Palace, Villa, Leicester, Watford, Liverpool, Newcastle, Man U. It's a hell of a little run till December. Uh, eight, you know, seven league games, one cup game with Leeds chucked in there. Be really interesting. But, you know, if we can if we can get our home form right... Get the fans behind us. That will be the backbone for us to have a super successful season. Season, And I think that's... I'm feeling, Tom, as though that's what's going to happen. I feel like our home form uh, will see us through. I've just got a really good feeling about that. Whereas away from home, I still think being a young team, we struggle. Yeah, I, I, think, I think so. And I think it's going to be a, a, a challenging year on the road. Um, but I think I think like you you touched on it earlier, and I think it's going to be so important the week after the international break when we play Palace at home on the Monday and then Villa at home on the Friday. And I think those sorts of home games are going to be the ones that need to get us through, like you like you so rightly say. And I think if 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 we can get get, I mean, even if we got four points from there, they just and didn't get beaten, then I think that wouldn't be disastrous. Um, and then if we could go to Leicester and not lose as well, I think that would be that would be okay. Um, I think we just have got to harbour our expectations a little bit because this is it's still such a young side and it's going to be so rocky, so up and down. Um, but yeah, that's fingers crossed. Our home forms can remain fairly strong and we can sort of work our way back into the mix for European competition next year. Yeah, and, and having had seven games to look at the team, having had a chance to look around the Premier League, where do you think this team is going to finish this season? So, <laughs> I, I think we'll have a lot clearer idea after the next three games. Oh, um, he's bottling it! <laughs> I'm not going to bottle it. I will give. A, I will commit to an answer. I think sixth at the moment. Okay. What about you? First. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not bottling it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think we're going to come fifth. I think, I think we would. Ta- I think everyone would take that as well. Yeah. Well, um, well I want to know who you have as fifth if we're sixth. Top four, I think we everyone has a you know. Everyone knows the top four. It just depends on on the on the order. Um, you know what? Thinking about it, oh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm still going to commit with Sid, but I, I can't really give you an answer about who will finish above us because I think yeah. it's, it's, it's much of a muchness around there. Um, I mean, the only team that I'm looking at and thinking they look quite quite good at the moment is, is someone like West Ham. But mm-hmm. I think I think the Europa League will catch up with them this season because they've got such a small squad. Um, well, they already lost to Brentford at the weekend. Yeah, I, mean, I think that is yeah. the kind of result that you get when you play European football. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I don't think they'll be sustainable over the season. I think we'll finish above them ultimately. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Um, I mean, you look at teams like Tottenham and you think we should be finishing above them because they look they do not look good. I know they beat Aston Villa on the weekend, but we, we saw firsthand how poor they are. Um, but you but you never know. If they can string a few results together, then they, they will probably be in and around us because I don't think, as, much, as poor as they were, I still don't think there's a huge gap between the two teams. Um, so... I don't know. Who, it, it, hypothetically, if you had predicted sixth, who could you see finishing above us? Well, this is what I find hard because Leicester in a bit of disarray. Yeah. Um, I feel as though they are, and I, I, I felt this a little while ago, the Madison situation is not right. There's something up there because um, he was so good for them last season. Jamie Vardy, look, he, he is goals, but he is old. You know, he is, he is late. What is he, 34? Well, I still think it would return a good goals tally, but he can't make as many runs as he used to and be the threat he was. Um, and I think they're really struggling with balance. I mean, I know they've got Fafana out and they've got a couple of others out, which, which you know, if we had a couple of injuries, we'd be probably as affected. Um, but I think I've always felt Leicester are overachieving for the players they have, and it's testament to Rodgers. Um you know, I, I would have said West Ham, but I think the Europa thing, and I think they do well in the Europa. You know, they've won two from two, they'll go through. So that's going to affect them twice, this side of the year and next side of the year. You know, hopefully, I hope for them they have a run. I'd love to see, you know, West Ham go far. We have no, we bear no ill will. Um, and then it is Tottenham, but I've, you know, I, I really think Tottenham aren't great. So it's very hard to, to pick and then, but then do you chuck Everton and Villa in the mix? Because we're all so similar. And actually, that's one of the things I've really realised. Watching the Liverpool-Man City game on Sunday, and I only caught the second half, but you only have to watch the second half to go, oh my God, these teams are so good. And yeah. there's a chasm between the top four. And this must have been how other teams felt when we were in there with um, Chelsea, Man U and Liverpool. The chasm between us and let's say we are fifth best, maybe we're not, and and the other four is is enormous. It's enormous, and uh, it'd be interesting to see. You know, I've got belief that we can. I feel as though we've gone with a good strategy to try and get us there. But wow, I mean, when you see the speed and the quality on display in that second half in that Liverpool City game, it tells you why. You know, Man U might be the catchable one, but they've just got. You know, they have got. <laughs> very good players just maybe not a good manager yeah yeah I think uh, that <laughs> that probably sums Man United up quite well at the moment um, but yeah I, I think you've you sort of summarised it quite well um, I still think Leicester are probably I think they will get a bit of a run going but you, you never know you never know I think the, the fifth and sixth are both up for grabs this year um, uh, particularly particularly that fifth spot um, it could be anyone so 
we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? We will. And before we before we wrap up, let's just do it. Seven games in, if we're predicting up the table, uh, who do you think, I'm going to give you two questions, who do you think is going to win the league? Um, I, I said Chelsea when, when we played them, um, mm-hmm. particularly when they signed Lukaku, I, I, I thought Chelsea. And as much as I still want to go with you, I, I still kind of think Chelsea because I don't think they've hit top form yet. But I think Man City, when they went to Chelsea, that was a real statement by them. And mm-hmm. to have Chelsea and Liverpool away back to back and not lose either of them, I think that still shows that they are the team to beat. Um, so at the moment, I'm probably leaning more towards Man City. But I, th- I think realistically, li- Liverpool, if they, if they remain injury-free, are well in the hunt. Um, and Chelsea are obviously in the mix. But I think I'm probably just leaning Man City purely because of their last week. Hmm, interesting. I, I, I still think the striker um, or lack thereof comes back yeah. to haunt them. I think if anything's going to, if, if anything's going to stop them winning the title, I think it'll be that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And what, what was your second question? <laughs> Who's going down? Well, Norwich are a given, aren't they? Um, mm, sadly. Sadly, Norwich are a given. Um I I think Watford will go down. I'm not convinced by Ranieri's appointment as much as it, it brings back. What is wrong with them? <laughs> as a football club, what is wrong with them? I had a... You go. No, go on, go on. I'm interested now. You've, you've sucked no, but me like, No, but, 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 but the guy, Munoz, has got them up. He's got them playing good stuff. They've had some great results. They beat Aston Villa. They're fine. It's fine. What are they doing? What do they expect? I just ah, oh, I, I, I honestly, I, I think they're a car crash. I don't understand. It would drive me mad. I couldn't. I, I would struggle so much with that model of changing after ten months. When the ah, oh, what is wrong with them? I don't know. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense. Um, I don't understand the whole bringing in Ranieri. Um, I think he. He, he proved when he went to Fulham that he wasn't really cut out for that sort of relegation battle anymore. Um, I, I, I don't get it. I, don't, I really don't get it. It makes no sense. But, um, yes, I, th- I, I think they'll go down. And mm-hmm. in, in terms of the third one, I think it's it's kind of like the fifth place um, debate because I think the third one is completely up for grabs because although like Brentford would have been one of my picks to go down early in the season... They've obviously started really well and got a really good platform to build um, some sort of safety. I don't think they're out of it by any stretch of the imagination because it only takes a run of three or four games and you're sucked right back in. So I don't think they're out of it. Um, but then I don't think teams like Newcastle and Burnley are out of it either. Um, I think both of them could potentially get get drawn in because they, they're only really picking up draws, aren't they? Um, yeah. And I think you, at some point you've got to turn those draws into wins. So... I think those would be my three that I pick as as potentials. Mm. I would, I would adore it to be Burnley. I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. 
Okay, so that brings us to the end of this podcast. It's been fantastic doing one of these again because it, it has been way too long. So we'll we'll make a, a real concerted effort to try and ensure that it's not as long um, this time. Obviously, the next time we record will probably be after the international break because there's not really all that much to talk about when we're, we're away from Premier League football. But uh, Andre, it's been a pleasure talking as always. Thank you for your time. Thank you for yours. Lovely to lovely to catch up for the, um, you know, it's been three days since I last spoke to you. <laughs> it has been. Uh, it's been three days, which uh, feels like a long time in football. Um, but <laughs> um, if you'd like to see what we're up to on social media, we haven't been overly active, but we'll try and make a concerted effort to be a little bit more active in the future. Um, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram by searching for the boys in red and white. And that just leaves me to say thank you for listening and we'll be back with another podcast very soon.